happen. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm 100. So let me ask you a question. And I know we've got a lot of sickness going on right now. We do have visitors from time to time. Uh, If you were visiting a church, what kind of church would you want? So that's a really good question. Do you want one where people are friendly? Uh, Back in my first church, we had a, a, a lady who was on the welcoming committee. I loved her, but she was like this all the time. Welcome to our church. Hope you enjoy your visit. I mean, do you want a place where people are friendly? It's kind of valid. I think that's a valid point. Uh, A friendly church signifies something. But that's not the metric by which you determine what church you belong to. A second one, John MacArthur. Preaching. I think John MacArthur is one of the best expository preachers alive today. That's my personal opinion. Uh, I like him. He's straightforward. If you get a chance, check out his video. It's about a five-minute video on Joel Osteen. It's hilarious. Um, But preaching should be one of the central focuses of worship. And In fact, in Baptist churches, uh, the pulpit center, along with the baptistry and the cross, that's all centered. There's a reason for that. In Presbyterian churches and Methodist churches, it's off to the side, which means preaching is not primary. The Lord's Supper is primary. And so, but preaching should be. I would never attend a church where the pastor didn't believe the Bible was the inerrant word of God. I just wouldn't. In fact, one time we were visiting. This was several years ago. Uh, We were down south. We were in Marion. We were going out into the woods out there. And Audrey and I uh, came across this church where the Bible was never opened. He didn't preach from the Bible. And I'm like, what? So, yeah. And then, of course, you've got the other end of that where the Bible's being misinterpreted. And that can become dangerous. Another one, this is a big one. (laughs) Not really. We make it a big one. Is worship. Well, we like hymns. My, not that I'm picking on my little church that I grew up in or preached in when I started. He would put his leg up. They had a beam right here. He'd put his leg up and he goes, hymn number 192. And we'd start singing that way. We sang nothing but hymns. Then, you can, then there's the other end where the pastor comes out as a fog machine right? And you've got this praise team and everybody's doing that. That's not worship. That's a mode by which we worship. That's not worship. Uh, That's why I like blended. I like like hymns. I I love hymns. Amazing. I, I love all these hymns. I love praise songs. I love contemporary music. Um, but that's not worship. You think it is. But that's not really worship. So while you can have the right atmosphere uh, and you can have the right preaching, 
and you could have the music that you like. And, and by the way, that's a preference. There's, there, there's people that listen to bluegrass gospel. I don't like it, but I get it. You know, I totally get it. It's just not, that's not my, it's not my preference. That's not worship. None of that is worship. That's a means by which we get to worship. But that is not worship in and of itself. Preaching is not worship in and of itself. Preaching is, and I like what Newt Larson told me years ago, and it's always stuck with me. Preaching at its core is taking what is in the heart of God and putting it into the hearts of his people. That's what preaching is. And I think that's a really good definition, a very simplified definition of what it means to preach. So let's look at this. We're, we're in the Psalms. There's, Psalms have five books. Psalm, this is how they're, they're broke down into these five books. Psalm 141, then it starts Psalm 42 to 72, and then we go to 73 to 89. And, and again, this is man's divisions, but they've put these in because you have some messianic Psalms. You have other Psalms going on. And then you have Psalm 107 to 150. So Uh, Probably in your Bible, you'll see where they'll say book one, book two, book three, book four, book five. A lot of these psalms, they they may be psalms of thanksgiving. They may be psalms of praise. They may be royal psalms. They may be psalms of lament. King David, O Lord. They may be hymns. There may be all kinds of these different hymns, but they've thrown them into five different books. So we're looking at Psalm 100. And Psalm 100 really focuses on worship and what worship is, at least according to the psalmist here. What is worship? Worship means to come into his presence. And it just doesn't take place on Sunday, although this is corporate worship. Worship at its core is coming into the presence of God. God uses friendly people. He uses the right type of sermon to bring you in the presence of God. He can use music to bring you in the presence of God. But remind you, there are 40-something Worships taking place here this morning. It is what you want to do and how you get into the presence of God and how you focus on him. And he says here, the first thing is joy. Notice what he says. Make a joyful noise. Ishvam ein. Ishvam ein. You know, I haven't watched football in quite a while now. I, I know football is going through its playoffs. I don't watch it anymore. But... Have you ever been to a football game? Well, let's, let's take baseball. The year the Braves won the World Series, I was all over the house going, yes. I was excited. I was pumped up. I, I was, yeah, we're going to do it and do the tomahawk chop and all that. And then I think about how we come to worship and we don't move our mouths at all. Think about what God has done for you in your life. We should burst through those doors ready to 
a mighty fortress is our God. I, don't, I know the rest of it, but it's not going to sing it because it'll drive you out of here. But you, we need to be raising our voices. This worship is, should be a joyful. And then this word, uh, make a joyful noise, expresses deep gratitude to God. Expresses deep gratitude to God. Now, I don't know. When we sing hymns, songs, or spiritual songs. I'm right here, so not only, only a couple over here can hear me singing. But we need to be praising him. Think about what he's done in your life. Think about all that he's blessed you with. You know, I was really grateful when the Dr. Cousins came out this Tuesday afternoon. He came out and he said everything went well. Her hand stopped. Uh, she's doing well. They minimized clotting and stroke. Uh, this verse came to my mind. Joy. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. And We need to Get that joy back. Make a joyful noise. You do realize you have much to be thankful for this morning. You have much to praise him for. A lot to praise him for. Uh, even the very breath that you have this morning to be here is a cause for joy and jubilation. So we must, when we come to church, don't, this is, I think this is why people don't sing. This is my personal take on this. I think people don't sing because they're afraid what others might think of their voice. Should never be worried about that. Uh, you remember Steve in our, in our last church 16 years ago. Steve had, uh, uh, he had issues. He had never fully grown up. And... Uh, I would put him on the stage and he would sing with a man named Ron. Steve couldn't sing well. But I tell you what, when he sang, it touched your heart. One person in my church said, Pastor, that's not professional to have him up on stage. And I said this to the person and I said, we're not professionals here. We're Christians. And the Bible says to make a joyful noise, and I will defend Steve's right to stand up there and worship God with the voice that God gave him. This is not professional. We are worshiping a living Savior. And we all get to worship together. And if you can't sing well, Welcome to the crowd. It's all right. Lift your voices and praise him for what he's done in your life. Come to worship and to sing. And we're going to kind of jump in to serve. I'm not going there yet, but a slight going there. Notice what the psalm says. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. There's, you can't get away from worship without singing. 
I don't, I don't know how you do that. I, one lady in my church said, well, we don't dance as Baptists. And so I just, <laughs> just did that. I was just messing with her, but she's like, Ooh. we don't do that. Uh, serve the Lord, Arad. Serve means to labor, and it means to toil in the church. Here's, here's what I think happens. Many people come to church, and they sing a few songs, and they listen to a sermon, and they go home, and they think their duty is done. And I get it, physical limitations, I, I get all that. But actually serving the Lord is, is, should be every week, whether it's in church, whether it's out of church. You should be serving the Lord. And not just serving the Lord, but notice here, with gladness. Sunday school teachers, let me tell you this. What you do is vital. Particularly those that work with children, you have an audience for 45 minutes. And what they're doing is they are learning about God through you. That's huge. That is a big deal. And uh, you can see, look at, the, look at the intensity of these kids as they're listening to this lesson. I still remember, even though I wasn't raised in a church, which really I shouldn't even have gotten saved because I wasn't raised in a church. But I remember my friend Larry McCabe took me to his church one Sunday. Larry McCabe went with, lived one, two, three, four houses down from me. And he would, he, we'd take our bicycles because the, the church of God was right there. And I still remember that pastor, when I came through the door, he shook my hand and took me into a Sunday school room. I still remember that. And I still remember the papers in front of me and, and we were coloring and we were doing other things. I remember that. Listen, Sunday school teachers, what you are doing, and parents, grandparents, uh, what you are doing with your children has long-term consequences. I believe God used those events in my life as sporadic as they were. I believe God used those events in my life to lead me to saving faith in Christ when I was 23. You know most salvations happen before that age. It gets dicey after that, after 20 years. It's rare for somebody to come to saving faith in Christ, so we got to get them now. And I'll tell you this, this is, this is huge. This, I think Sunday school teachers that work with kids it's massive. And the kids that are listening to my sermon today, they just might remember me screaming a few times, but they'll remember this. At some point, they will remember this event. I was thinking about it this past week, all the things that, that took place in my life. I remember visiting churches in Germany and, uh, and, and other places, coming back. Oh, this is a big one cleaning the church. We have a cleaning schedule. So when people come in, they should clean the church with joy. You say, well, pastor, that's an insignificant ministry. Oh, no, 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 no. You get a visitor come in and the, and, the, and the bathroom areas are filthy. Guess what the chances of them coming back are? Unless, unless God really speaks to them. We need to be taking care of God's building. And you vacuum 
you sing to the Lord, you thank him, he says, with gratitude, serving the Lord. Um, the only thing I found wrong with this picture was there's no fried chicken. Um, <laughs> um, that's true, right? That's true. Oh, it could, be, it could be just out of sight. John, I didn't think of that. Uh, it may be over here. That looks like pulled pork. I think they saved themselves. I think, I think they saved themselves. This is a great opportunity to serve the Lord right here. Great opportunity. Because we're coming together as a community of believers. And this is all part of, I think, and what Psalmist is saying, coming into his presence. Now, let me ask you a question. Is it possible a person can worship every Sunday, can make a joyful noise, and diligently do work of ministry, but inwardly have a bad attitude? Because part of worship is really our joy. I get it. I totally get it. There, we have... We have A game days and we have D game days. But the A games should far outweigh the D games. And you know what I mean by that. Today I brought my A game. Today I brought my D game. I kind of really don't care. And that's not really worship. Worship is, okay, I'm going to set everything aside right now. And I'm going to take one hour. I'm going to praise him with all of my heart and my soul. I'm going to listen to what uh, God has laid on Pastor Mike's heart, and I'm going to take that word, and then I'm going to go out and I'm going to serve in the church and the community and the world this, this week, but I'm going to do it joyfully. Okay, so coming into his presence, but also acknowledging his lordship. Acknowledging his lordship, verses 3 and 4. For those of you that are keeping count it is now 18 minutes sermon. Eight, eight, I'm not sure that's worship if you're counting minutes, but okay. Um, so, creator. Know the Lord. He is God. Know the Lord. He is God. Way back in Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, y'all quote it with me, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Y'all knew this, good. That's God. God created all of this. He created everything that we see around us, and he created you, and he created you in his image. It is he who made us. Isn't that a wonderful verse? Think of it this way. We acknowledge that he made us, each of you is fearfully and wonderfully made. Did you know that? You have value. You have value. Genesis 1.27, So God created mankind in his own image, and in the image of God he created them, male and female. He created them. You have God's thumbprint on you. And a brief political moment here. Male, female. There's only two genders, male and female. He created you, and he created you because he loved you. And he created you so that we could worship him and we could help each other on this journey of life. 
and it is a difficult journey at, at times. Know that he is God. Not only that, he is Savior. We are his people and sheep of his pasture. I love the image. Here you have the shepherd, God, Jesus. And guess what we are? We are the sheep. We're so smart. <laughs> sheep are really smart. Uh, no, they're not. They veer off. They get lost. Jesus told a lot of parable, parables involving sheep. Tell me if you had one sheep that was separated. He would leave the other 99 and he would go find the one. By the way, sheep, we have, we have a tendency to mess up. We have a tendency, to, right? We have a tendency to get into some problems. Do you know what shepherds did in biblical days when they had a sheep that was a problematic sheep? Do you know what they did? They broke their leg and then would stick it around their neck. And sometimes God breaks our legs, metaphorically, to get our attention. And then the shepherd would carry that sheep around his neck. When the leg healed, when the leg would heal, he would set that sheep down and that sheep would follow the master. Sometimes God disciplines us. It's not fun. It's not easy. But the purpose of that discipline is so that we'll be more obedient to him. And this image, I had one, I had one all picked out and I go, wait a minute, guys may not like that. The girls would go, oh, uh, it was a, it was a, a shepherd holding this little baby sheep looking up at him. Now you girls can say, oh, yeah. his, his little face, <laughs> his little face. It, it was cute, but I know guys would go, oh. Anyway, how should this affect our worship every Sunday? That God is our creator. Verse 4 said we should enter his gates with thanksgiving, or enter his gates with thanksgiving and courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Blessed be his name. We sang that this morning. Thankfully, we had the slides up for that. Because I don't think I could have sang it without the words. And in all honesty, it's been a Well, no, I, I take it back. I preach funerals without PowerPoint. But my preferred method nowadays is PowerPoint. Because images are powerful. And people can see it's organized, well thought out. It's not like I'm looking on the internet on Saturday night for a sermon, right, Holly? <laughs> she said, well, Dad, I've got to let you go. I know you've got to go look for your sermon online. <laughs> yeah. Our response, enter his courts with thanksgiving and praise. How will this change next Sunday when you come in here? Because that's a part of being worshipped. Worship begins uh, before you hit the door. I, I can't remember. This is kind of just coming to me for some odd reason. It, I remember one uh, Christian comedian saying that he was driving his family to church. 
and the kids were acting up. And he was trying to get a hold of them while he was driving and say, okay, you guys need to be quiet. We're getting ready to go to church. And he walks through the door. (laughs) Yeah, leave it there. Come in and go, what is God going to do today? What is God going to say to me today so that I can go out this week and worship and praise him and maybe have an opportunity to share the gospel? Think about that next Sunday when you get to the door. Stop at the door and you go, Lord, today, help me sing. Help me praise. Help me focus on you. This is not about Pastor Mike. This is not about the praise team. This is about coming into your presence, standing before God and giving him all the glory and the honor and praise for everything that he does in our lives and in our hearts. That would be a good definition. And by the way, it's okay to do this. I know we think, well, that's charismatic. Is it? Praise. There's there's nothing wrong with this. Particularly if God is touching your heart. Now, there's something wrong with it if your hands are up in the air, you're jumping up and down, you're rolling on the floor. That's something different. But when somebody is praising God like this and they're singing and praising God, there's nothing wrong with that at all. And ultimately, we don't know the heart of the person. Are they doing this to say, look at me? Or are they doing this because they really are praising his name? That's, that's, not, that's not our judgment call. God knows. God has a unique system for dealing with counterfeiters. He can see it. But there's, this, is not, this is not charismatic. This is, if it's done genuinely from the heart, we should probably all be doing it at some point. Just raising our hands and thanking him. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord, for what you've done in my life. Thank you for all the blessings that you've given me, and I will sing out with praise. Just make sure you don't hit the person next to you. That's about the only thing you have to worry about with that. By the way, those of you that are keeping score, that's 26 minutes. Actually, I'm doing it because my sermon started migrating up in the 45 range, and I go, back that up a little bit. Might lose people. Come into his presence, acknowledging his lordship and also his goodness. God is good. Okay, when I say God is good, I want you to say all the time. God is good. Okay, oh, you guys are there. Let's start standing up doing this. That's not, not like touchdown, but praise hand praise. Help us, Lord. God is good, verse 5. I should not have gotten a small print. I had a big, a large print. I don't know what happened to it, but 
For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. You see what the psalmist is doing here is he's built this up to the reason why we do what we do. He starts with this praise and he narrows it down and says, this is why, folks. It's always a good day when I got Bigfoot up here. His steadfast love endures forever. This word steadfast love is his hesed love. That's what was present at Mount Sinai. It's the hesed love of God. It is unlike this world, which passes away. This love that God has, this steadfast love, it is a loyal love. It's not a fleeting love. It's not a love that is conditional. And I'm going to say this. When you truly come to saving faith in Jesus Christ, you stand in God's steadfast love. Even though at times we may err, sin, stumble, and fall. When our girls were growing up, they made some mistakes. And of course, they got punished for those mistakes. But that never changed my love for them. You take that same mindset and apply it to God. There is times when you and I will mess up, but that never changes God's love for us. And sometimes God loves us so much that there's consequences to what we do. But he's good. God is good. Oh, starting to be like Marines. Give you a give you a five-minute break and have to retrain you. All right. Just kidding. There's no Marines in the church. No, just kidding. That, that was an army joke, by the way. And those, please, Marines, don't be offended. That was just a funny joke. God is good. Hey, who said, where's the little voice back there? God is good. Good job. Good job. Awesome. Uh, we can't clap in church. We stop that. Pastor should never. It's, it's heretical to clap in church. I'm, I'm having fun today. You know what? I just, I'm just very thankful. I'm just very thankful. Uh, Rosemary. if you have joy in your heart notify your face that's funny that's funny and it's okay to laugh in church Um, Rosemary see me after church Uh, I'm glad we're having fun this morning Um, his love steadfast it is loyal it is forever By the way, it says for his, find it here, hang on. He's good. This word good is tov in Hebrew. It can mean morally good, beautiful, or festive. But it can also mean generous. 
Do you know how generous God is to us? More than we can imagine. His love is forever. His steadfast love endures forever. Olam. I love that. Olam. You read it right to left. Not left to right. Olam. That word means everlasting. One of my favorite scriptures, and I read this at funerals all the time. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. It doesn't matter what you're going through in your life. It doesn't matter how bad things are. It doesn't matter what is taking place in your life. You can still rise above it and praise him knowing that he loves you unconditionally in Christ. Please don't ever think that you are alone. God sees your life. I know sometimes that you think God must have got up and went to the refrigerator and forgot about me. But he hasn't. God loves you. His, his, he loves you intently. He redeemed you. He sent Christ to die on a cross to pay for your sins so that you can come into a relationship with him. He loves you. I want you, not a Joel Osteen type love, but a love, a real love, a genuine love. He loves you. And so when his steadfast love endures forever, of course, the outflow of that will be praise. If your heart's full of joy, let your face know. That'll be a new quote. That'll be a new quote. Maybe maybe I'll put that up on my PowerPoint next Sunday. That's, That's good. I like that. His love is everlasting. His faithfulness. His faithfulness to all generations. Imura, faithfulness. The word refers to God's trustworthiness or his dependability to care and love for his children. We're not always trustworthy, are we? All of you that are completely 100% trustworthy and faithful, raise your hand. I just did that. I'm just, I was waiting to see. <clears throat> None of us are. But, praise God, He is. He is. He's faithful. I love this verse. A couple of verses. I Romans 8. 38 and 39. This is an excellent verse. This is an excellent verse. Watch it. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Hebrews 6, 19. When the storms come and they crash against your faith, the anchor will hold in Jesus Christ and you stay the course, you stay there, you fight through it knowing how good God has been to you, how faithful he has been to you, how much he loves you and you stay the course and then you come next Sunday 
and you bring your anchor with you and you plop it in your seat and you praise him no matter what the storm or situation is. 